ladies and gentlemen. This is Book Music. This is Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And we're here to discuss the book, The Kinks, Songs of the Semi-Detached, by Mark Doyle, published by Reaction Books out of the UK. And I am a huge for decades, I have been a huge Kinks fan. And um, I think I've been waiting for this particular book on the Kinks for, for decades as well. Yeah, this book's really in your sweet spot. Because not only is it Kinks, but it's also post-war London history. Yes, and that is the essence. I think we, we don't forget that it's such an essential importance of the songs by Ray Davis of the Kinks, the mm -hmm. main songwriter, the, the visionary genius of the Kinks, mm -hmm. um, has always been attached to a location and place uh, pretty much throughout his career. And that mm -hmm. location and place has always been London or something bigger than London, England. Mm -hmm. And um, Mark Doyle's book specifically connects the Kinks to the London landscape of the um, of the uh, of the nineteen well after World War Two from from the late forties to the fifties and the sixties mostly, mm -hmm. and it is in a way sort of a history of a neighborhood um, which is uh, North London Islington area where uh, or Musnilly Musnilly what, what, where where where's Ray, where are they from the Davis family they're from. Um, uh... He says in the book, and now yeah, I'm North London. Well, it's North London, like Islington, right. that area. Yes, it's a working Which, class neighborhood. And um, and twelve years ago, I actually, well, I went, I didn't live, but I stayed there for over a month writing a book in that part of London. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was yeah. in that part of town. I love, I love that, I love that part of, of London. I think it's just, it's just uh -huh. a really great, great neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. um. What intrigues me about the Kinks, you know, they're part of the British Invasion band, you know, like along with the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, um, the Hollies, the Yardbirds, yeah. and the Who. Who yeah. is almost sort of like, if the Beatles have a bad side of the Rolling Stones, the Kinks' dark side or positive side would be the Who. There's always a connection between those two bands to me. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I just feel... Because well we'll 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 discuss that I think, but um, okay. <laughs> but um, Ray Davis, okay. First of all, Ray Davis. I know every time you say that, I kind of have a little uh, knee jerk reaction. <laughs> I bought my first. Let's talk Kinks, about that. I think I bought my first Kinks record when in 1963. As it was happening, I was like nine years old. You uh -huh. really got me all day and all the night. I couldn't believe how two yeah. wrinkled songs were. Just really yeah. in your face. You know, da -da, oh, da -da, da -da, yeah. da -da, da -da. I could hum it. <laughs> it <was a> big <laughs> and yeah, um, they're perfect. And I always thought, oh my God, this guy's great. Ray Davies. D A B I E S. <laughs> and I said, Davies. Ray Davies. Who's your favorite rock star, Tosh? Ray Davies. Who's your favorite <laughs> songwriter, Tosh? Raymond Douglas Davies. Who's your, favorite, <laughs> who's your favorite lead guitar player, Tosh? Dave Davies. Uh -oh. So for 
50, 50 years or so, I've been under the illusion that this man's name was Ray Davies. And it was till very recently, maybe about a year ago, I realized mm -hmm. that his name is pronounced Davis. Yeah, yes. I was educated to that very fact like within the last year myself. I've been pronouncing it Davies all this time. You I know, think most people in the U.S. do. You know, when, when I was told that Santa Claus didn't, well, uh, anybody understand, <laughs> I'll start listening to this, but there's been rumors that Santa Claus <laughs> that was Spoiler alert. <laughs> that was kind of disturbing, but not yes. as disturbing as, as realizing that Ray Davies does not exist, that Ray Davis does. I know. And it's funny because you mentioned it right before we started recording this and, and I had completely forgotten about it. The whole time I was reading the book, I kept, you know, I, the voice in my head was saying Davies because that's just so ingrained in my head, even though I have been educated to the correct pronunciation. But I still say, I'm sure at some point in this podcast, I'm going to say Davies <laughs> accidentally. It's one of the things like, does life even matter anymore? I mean, what, what's real and not real? Right. I mean, what's right. happening in this world? It's I just mean, a name. I mean, the coronavirus is pretty bad. It's unbelievable. But is, he, is that <laughs> even more unbelievable than Ray Davies doesn't exist? <laughs> it's all about perspective, and I think you're correct. <laughs> this is this is crucial. <laughs> well, I'm, as you can gather, can I'm a little disturbed, and um, I can tell. I mean, there's certain things I can take. I could take the virus issues. I could take, you know, financials up and down. I could take society falling apart. I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. That the Davies. Somebody's Davis changing Davis. the identity of an icon. Yes, I know. I know. It's 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 a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> that we must go on. We must. Yes, and hopefully we're educating some members of our audience, and maybe some people will uh, even uh, gonna say it. no, no, no. Yes, yes, we might get some interesting discussions from it. Like some, pe like some people do not want to wear a mask outside due to the virus fear. There's some people who refuse to believe that Davies. Yes, <laughs> it's Davis. Anyway, Ray Davis right. is a unique songwriter. Uh, not in an originality sense to me, but in the sense of his time period mm -hmm. and with his contemporaries. Mm -hmm. He is the one who, as the book is called, Songs of the Semi-Detached. He mm -hmm. is detached because he's telling stories in the songs and, and, and makes up characters. Right. And there are many songwriters and writers, of course, do this. But Ray. <laughs> Ray yeah, let's just stick with Ray. It keeps Ray it easier. <laughs> focuses on a particular part of London, usually, or a part of London culture or England culture, English culture. And that yes. is like his landscape. That's that, that's his canvas that he paints on. Right. And he, you know, what he does, you know, ever since I was a teenager, I was really into the kinks a lot, you know, and then when, he, when they start mm -hmm. writing like dedicated follower of fashion and, and uh, dandy and, and who's mm -hmm. next in line, you know, I, I just, I got really, I realized that he was not from America. He came from England. You know, he, mm. he was like a boy. You didn't realize that at first? Well, I did, but... Listening to the songs, I realized there's actually a separate world. Like in, right. England's a different world from the, the United States. Right, right. And and actually, in a funny way, he's not the only one, but he really introduced me to a lot of English culture. 
And right. I, I, you know, everything about drinking, you know, tea instead of coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, I think, wow, they drink tea over there instead of coffee. That's amazing. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, they wear frilly shirts. That's amazing. You know? And I thought, okay, right. you know, the whole dandified class thing. And what's interesting is the book pointed out by Mark Doyle, the author, is that the uh-huh. kinks are working class. They're a working class family. Right. And, and I mean, the working, that's really the big focus about it. Is yeah. The, the English of the band and the working class element, you know, that they were working class. And Ray is a, a working class figure, a working class writer. And he, mm-hmm. the way he sees the world is actually through the British class system. Right. And um, there are the writers who do touch on it, but, but Ray Davis is almost so like, almost like a scientist in a way, the way he observes uh, certain personalities who are either stuck in this culture or part of that class system. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he actually compares them to Charles Dickens. You know, he's sort of a Dickens yeah. of his era, uh, you know, really sort of painting the portrait of the people of his time and, and place. And uh, also, um, No Coward. Right. Who's a, one of my, uh, not my, one of my heroes, but a, a, a songwriter. And a um, and a writer that I, I greatly admire, and yeah. to me, yeah, Charles Dickens documents everything of London life, mm-hmm. and No Coward is from the working class, mm-hmm. who sort of can, who hangs out with the upper class. Oh, I didn't know No Coward was from the working class. I don't know yeah. much about yeah. him. I mean, I know his work, but I don't know much about him as a person. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's that, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So it's like that yeah. was like his world. So no cowards. Because I always think of him hanging out with the posh uh, people, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Then him, like it's interesting. Him and Cecil Beaton, the photographer, uh-huh. were both working class fellows who hung out okay. with the upper class and royalty. And okay. That. Well, that was a lot more unusual back then. You yeah. know, even though it was you know what twenty, thirty years before, mm-hmm. you know, Ray. Davis and the Kinks, and and he does talk a lot about how you know in the sixties, you know there was an attempt to sort of break this class system, and you know that it happened to a certain degree, especially with people that were performers. You know that yeah. they would, you know, you know Mick Jagger would be hanging out with uh, Boyd Pillai, and you know everybody would be, you know, hobnobbing with all the wealthy well, the, people. But, yeah, and and then and then the swinging sixties, the working class became stars. Right. You know, like uh, right. all the actors, like, uh, you know, like uh, Michael Caine, uh, uh, Terrence Stamp. Yes, and Terrence Stamp. Yes, the posh people were, you know, slumming, so to and speak. And then, you know, the fashion photographer, David Bailey, is working class right. coffee, you know. And, and even yeah. the models, Gene Shrimpton, is like from a working class yeah. environment and landscape, and Twiggy's mm-hmm. from a, um, a working class. And, of course, the Beatles are working class and from Liverpool. So, you know, it, but what's interesting, Ray focuses on the issue of being working class or how working class operates in the uh, English landscape. Right. And he, and like, and like again, comparing the No Coward, the No Coward does the same. No Coward has written songs about class systems, um, you know, throughout his uh, career. And um, it's, it's No Coward is sort of a slightly a um, outsider Ray Davis is very much of an outsider. He's a he's right. an observer 
And it's interesting that even his private life or even his rock and roll life, I mean, at the time in the 60s, people hung out together, right? You know, like the Stones will hang out with the Beatles, Beatles hang out with Billy J. Kramer or whatever, or, you know, they're, they're like, there's a very social scene. Yeah. And, you know, like Jimi Hendrix hung out with Pete Townsend and Pete Townsend would hang out with, you know, Gordy Fame or whoever. Yeah. But, but Ray right. Davis, at least in theory or at least in image, was a guy who doesn't hang out with other musicians. Right. Well, he deals a lot with that in the book. He talks about how he, you know, he doesn't really fit in. And um, there was a quote that I really liked. Um, he says, uh, you know, Ray was always something of an interloper. Uh, it is this apartness, this coming close, but never quite fitting in-ness that to me is the defining characteristic of Davies' songs and Davis, Davis, the Davis's songs uh-huh. and the secret to what makes the greatest kink song so great. You know, it's that conflict, that tension that he continually had. And, you know, when he talked about how when he went to, you know, he got a lot of money and he went and bought a big house in the suburbs and yeah. he hated it. And he ended up moving back close to his family and, and the neighborhood he grew up in, you know. And so okay. he really uh, always struggled with that. His family, there's there's five kids in the family altogether. Three sisters, older sisters, and two boys, uh, Ray, and then his younger mm-hmm. uh, brother, Dave. And then yeah. their parents, and they live in a in a, in a very I, I can't remember how many bedrooms or if it was like one bedroom, two bedroom house they lived in or yeah. raised it's, in. It's a semi detached house. Yeah. I actually thought the book title was really good, "The King's yeah. Songs of the Semi Detached," because that was a theme that sort of runs throughout the book, of his you know being semi detached from everything, you yeah. know, and how his songs are never you never know what any of the songs like you know he there's a lot of nostalgia in the songs but is he making fun of it or does he seriously seriously appreciate these old times and you know it's it's to me it's a little bit of both you know and and i think it's that tension that that makes the song so brilliant you know there is no easy answer to any of this well that's very interesting you know my my one of my all-time favorite albums i mean by far than from anybody else is uh the kinks uh village the bill Village right. Green Preservation I bought that record when the kinks were like sort of unheard of, like they sort of fell out of fashion in America. Right. I mean, yeah, that, it, that record didn't do well for them when they came no. out. And I never but now it's it. everybody likes it. Yeah, but I bought it. I bought it when it came out, like the end of six, 1968. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I was like uh-huh. a, a young teenager. You were a hardcore fan, yeah. Well, I saw, I forgot about them. I thought they're like a band of the past, you know, like my past. Right, they had a few hits and that was it, yeah. Or, you know, I liked the early stuff, but no, they're not important anymore because whoever... But the album was well-reviewed at the time, from what I understand in the book. He says, you know, I think yeah. it got a good review. It got a good review in Rolling Stone and some other places. But, then, and, but um, it didn't know sales, you know. And, yeah. Um, but, and no hits on the radio. No hits. But I was, you know, I looked at the album cover, you know, of the four guys, and I was really uh-huh. taken back by Ray Davis' sweater. I really liked it. Ah, the you and the fashion. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you always was, notice the fashion. I love that. And, and he looked so elegant in that sweater, not like show off the elegance, or not even being looked so busy, just elegance of the, that's the essence of Ray Davis to me. And it reminded me of the elegance of Ray Davis. And I bought the album, you know, and I took it home, played it. No hits on the album. I never heard any of the songs, but you know. Uh-huh. Actually, a lot of songs are like 15 songs, I think, which is a lot of songs for an album at the time. Right. But an American right. LP. And 
I played it and I was like, I couldn't believe how great it was. I mean, it was that, that first listening experience. It's just yeah. the melodies, the sadness. It's such a sad record to me. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a record I, I keep going yeah. I keep, you know, I have, I have a I stereo version and I have a mono version. Like back what? in the 80s when we first met, I think you turned me on to that album because I think I only, the only thing I knew about the Kinks were the hits, and then they sort of had a comeback in the early eighties. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I think you were the one who said, "Oh, you have to listen to Village Green Preservation Society." And then I was like, "Oh my God, this is such a great album!" But I had, I don't think I'd heard of it before you told me about it. And the Village Green Preservation Society is like I don't want to call it a concept album, but it's a running theme. It's a theme of sort of like a, either imaginary England, merry England right. landscape. And mm-hmm. um, and it's like full of Ray Davies' fictional characters, quote unquote. Yes. And there's little stories and narrations all through it, and it's sort of like pastoral countryside England, you know, like let's go back to the right. old days and when things are simpler and more, you know, straightforward right. in a way. And you can either look at it, and it's interesting. We're just this goes back to what we were just talking about before. There's a duality mm-hmm. at work. Uh, on a surface, I think there's a thing like this is the good old days. This is you know there's sort of a conservatism at work here, where you know the world is too noisy now. We need to go back somewhere that's more quiet and more quaint. Yeah. And yeah. and and but then there's a, there's aspects of it where it's like nostalgia. That's an it's a wrong nostalgia. It's like, it's almost like a. Right. Uh, a made-up nostalgia or or a, a, a fantasy nostalgia, and right. I think, and it's totally debatable because I'm I'm not sure, but I always felt that Ray Davis is sort of a critique, uh, actually sort of critiquing that concept of England of imagination of those sorts. Right. Um, right. And now the truth. Well, there's is, a great uh, quote in the book about this, uh, where he says that Ray Davis is interviewed and he. And uh, he was being interviewed and asked about his feelings on nostalgia and revisiting the past. Mm-hmm. And so Ray says, it's hell. The past is something you can't take back. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he's just like contradicts himself right there. Like yeah. it's so beautifully succinct as to what he thinks of it. You know, it's like yeah. there's this idealization, you know, this romance of the past. But, you know, if you start digging into it, there's all these problems. There's always problems, you know, nothing, nothing. There was never a time in history where things were perfect, you know. No. And there's so some you songs. Have to be really careful about romanticizing things. And there's songs that, like, for instance, like, uh, do you remember Walter or um, people take uh-huh. pictures of each other? That has a sort of dark streak to me. Um, oh, definitely. You know, like yeah, a, either yeah. like a critique or like a bad, going for a bad moment in time. Like people take pictures of each yeah. other to prove they love or acknowledge each other. Right. You know, and it's not, it's not a happy place. No, 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 no. It's not a happy and it's place. interesting. He gets into a lot about how he makes a Donald Duck reference in the, yeah, that's a, that was interesting. Preservation Society. Yeah, that was a really interesting thing. He talks about how, you know, everything in it is all the references that he's talking about preserving are all British, except for Donald Duck. Like, where where did that come from, you know? And, and that's also not very old, really. No. And also, we have to note that uh, Mark Doyle, the author, wrote a book called uh-huh. The British Empire, a Historical Encyclopedia. Yeah, oh. so he's actually an academic with the, yeah. he's a professor of history 
And yeah, all his other books are very hardcore history books, and they're all British, uh, Irish, you know, based. So yeah, that's pro- his background. Yeah, he's a history of he's a professor of history at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Right. But I don't know if he's British or not. I know. I was wondering that myself. He's so knowledgeable about the culture, and mm-hmm. uh, I have no idea how old he is. But this photo, he looks like he's still quite young. He is. He is. Um, he, so he, I mean, he is I, yeah. I don't think he was alive, you know, <laughs> in the 50s and 60s, for sure. Um, so he doesn't have personal experience of it, but he's very knowledgeable about it. And I was wondering if he was British himself. I don't know. Um, but it, it's, yeah, he definitely has a strong background in history. So he knows what he's talking about. And he's clearly a hardcore Kinks fan, like serious Kinks fan. <laughs> this book is really sort of a sociological or a historical study of a place and location using the yeah. kinks as sort of the uh, using ray davis songs as sort of the um, entrance way right well it's interesting right in the beginning of the book as he's talking about you know what he's planning on doing he says what kind of world did the kinks inhabit and how did they turn that world into art and then he says history in aid of musical appreciation so i mean that's clearly where he's coming from um, you know, it's it's all about placing the kinks in this historical time and place and, and the sociological implications. You know, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm going right. to, for the uh, discography here in a second. And he goes, you know, he writes a lot about uh, um, um, the album um, um, Mos- Moswell Hillbillies. Right. Which is, and that's where he ends, which is interesting too. That was the last. He he stops his sort of history of uh, the Kinks up there. He goes to yeah. Them, that's where he stops. Because the next album, everybody's in showbiz. Does deal oh wait, full titles. Everybody's in showbiz. Everybody's a star, and that album does deal with America as a subject matter. Right. Maybe as a British person looking at America, but nevertheless, the location has changed. You know about Hollywood, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah. I, he is wrong though. Like he, I mean, definitely that record, Everybody in Showbiz, is definitely a wrench thrown in compared to all, a lot of the Kinks' discography. I mean, the subject matter. Because after he doesn't talk about, it, but after Everybody's in Showbiz, um, the Kinks put out Preservation Act One and Preservation Act Two, which is sort of the start oh, yeah, of. They still, yeah, they still deal with English stuff later on. And yeah. they deal with the English stuff for. Mm, I think up to like schoolboys in disgrace. And then afterwards, they became really big in America and they start doing, you know, like in stadiums and stuff like that, yeah. which I thought I totally lost interest in the kinks in this time period in the seven, late 70s. And uh-huh. 80s. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, the author, um, Mark Doyle, stops in a sense at Muswell Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was a writer, I would definitely will go on to like Preservation Act One and Act Two. Because those albums are interesting because they really imitate the English music hall. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, I used to see the Kinks all the time in Los Angeles. Mm. And they used to play the Santa Monica Civic numerous times all throughout the 70s. Oh, wow. And to see the Kinks at that time, they were like kind of sloppy. Uh-huh. You presume kind of drunk. <laughs> and Ray Davis Even is very, Ray? Yeah, and Ray Davis is like totally like a show person. He's like he's like a music yeah. hall entertainer. Okay. He's not that far off from a Lawrence Olivier's, you know, uh, um, um, the entertainer, the, the entertainer. Uh, John Osborne, uh-huh. you know, play. 
he's totally like a uh-huh. music hall English entertainer right. in Los Angeles. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, including the way he, you know, he wore like bow ties and sort of like uh, loud or colorful suits. He's definitely, right. you know, like, he's never like, put on a show, and he's going to put on a show. God damn it! And, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a rock and roll show. It's really more of a, a yeah. music hall show. I mean, music is rock and roll. Right. It's kink music, but the attitude. And his dance is totally um, um, English music hall theater from like the fifties yeah, and early fifties. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I just I I just loved it so much. As 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 well as loving his records, I loved the live performances. Oh, nice. And when I've he did preservation, he started doing actual shows, like with characters on the stage and. And it became, really? a, it became a real what do you theater. Mean by yeah. characters, like actors came on the stage as well. Each band will play a or character. Oh wow! And Ray would be like one huh. character, but he's also the MC of the show in a way. And you know, you know it's sort of it's very sort of like a it's like an English Bertal Breck Kirk Vile. Wow! It's not German. <laughs> it's English. It's Kirk Vile. Okay. And, <laughs> and, um, and he did this from he did these these shows you know for like the next three or four years with after preservation you know did one called um, um, you know the, the schoolboys disgrace the um, um, uh, soap was it called soap opera excuse me um, yeah soap opera so the shows I saw him do was with I, I, and actually I saw him do the Hollywood um, um, the Lola versus Power Men in, in the Money Ground era I saw them mm-hmm. live then. And but mm-hmm. as as it went on, they became more theatrical and more like doing little like theater presentations, um, yeah. which are incredible. Huh. You know, they were really they're really they're very charming, very funny, and very uh-huh. English. You know, they're definitely a British yeah. cultural thing. And yeah, it was um, interesting. He talked about how you know they got banned from performing in America in the '60s, and how that actually he sort of surmised that that contributed even more to their Englishness because. He says Ray just kind of was like that just allowed him to focus on he didn't have to appeal to an American audience, so he was able to write English oriented songs. Yeah, and you know I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's interesting, like say like the Who, like Pete Townsend was starting doing his operas, you know, like Quadrophenia and Tommy, which is oh. sort of about extraordinary personalities or people who have really um, things they have to overcome that's sort of like bigger than life right. type of situations. And the, uh-huh. and Ray Davis narration of stories really deals with quiet people in sort of desperate times in a very right. English middle class or lower class right. world. And right. everyday people. Everyday people. So there's nothing glamorous about what he wrote about. I mean they're definitely they're not like crazy people. They're just sort of like people just sort of struggling through their daily life. Right. And um, yeah, it's in, you know, it's fast and it's fascinating that how Ray Davis was very close to his family. Uh, even though yeah. his brother Dave, they, apparently they were to his day consistently fighting and you know not talking right. to each other. Well, they're but, the standard bearers for the uh, <laughs> fighting siblings in rock bands. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. <laughs> but it's interesting how close they were to um, uh, to the family and the sisters. Right, you know, right. Yeah, it is kind of surprising they didn't have a better relationship. But maybe just working together and. And they had different, you know, Dave was off partying and maybe he was far more into the idea of being a rock star than Ray was. So. Yeah, Dave Davis was a rock star. He was younger. He was a lot yeah. younger. He's quite a few years younger than Ray. And and 
Dave embraced the entire sexual revolution of, of London, swinging London yeah. life, where Ray didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, right, uh, right, Kate so Hoban yeah. wrote about it. <laughs> exactly. In a detached exactly. manner. Yes, a semi-detached. Semi-detached. That's <laughs> <laughs> important. That semi, you know. <laughs> so do, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite Kinks album? Uh, probably Village Green. Uh, as far as like an entire album, I mean, I love the early stuff too. You know, and there's there's tons of other. I mean, it's. I have. I think I have every album from the '60s up through like. Uh, I have those preservation parts one and two. I think those are probably the most recent ones. Oh, I have like one of the eighties ones, I think. But yeah, pretty much. I like all of it. It's all good. But yeah, Village Green is really their masterpiece, I think. That's a special record. It is a special record. It's definitely, you know, a desert island disc. Because you yeah. can uh, sit there and listen to it over and over and over and get new things from it each time. I also want to note that Ray Davis, though I lost interest in his 80s music and, you know, the later version of the Kinks and all that stuff. But yeah. I like Ray Davis' two books, The X-Ray and Americana, especially Americana. Have you read uh, that? No, I haven't read either of those. Maybe we Americana, should do those on a future podcast. Americana is a really good book. It's about his time in yeah. New Orleans. Right. And you know, knowing and being friends. Where does with he live people. now? Does he still live in New Orleans? Or does no, he lives. I think he's back in England now. Okay. He got shot. In I think New he Orleans. was there up until pretty recently. Yeah, he got shot in New Orleans. He was wounded pretty badly. Yeah, well, if you live there long enough, that's probably going to happen. Even a, <laughs> even even a, even a catch fellow like King Ray Davis will get shot in New Orleans. Oh God, that's terrible, though. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it's, it's a slightly dangerous city for sure. So, is this book a hit or is it a miss? Oh, I think it's a hit. It was definitely a hit. I enjoyed it. Um, Me too. It's definitely for the hardcore Kinks fan. Mm -hmm. um, he sort of assumes a lot, and I and I didn't know as much about the Kinks as you probably do. I actually had to go and you know, <laughs> read up on them on the Wikipedia and everything. Uh -huh. I mean, I knew the basics, but. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, he does sort of have an assumption of his reader being a hardcore fan, which I assume most people reading this book would be a hardcore fan. Um, but you also need to be a history, uh, you know, you want to be interested in the history of the time, too, because he really does delve into that. But, um, you know, most Kinks fans are intelligent people and would naturally be interested in other things. So, yeah, I would say it's definitely a hit. It's a hit with me. I love it. I thought it was a good book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's part of their Reverb series, uh, Reaction Books Reverb series, where I guess that's, I was looking at some of the other books in the series, and I guess that's kind of what they, they're all, they, the whole series does is sort of place an artist in a specific time. And there's a Bowie one about his Berlin years, there's a Beatles one about their Hamburg years, sort of stuff like that. So, oh, that's um, fascinating. So an interesting series. Yeah, very interesting series, because, you know, you can't really ever remove an artist from their time period and their circumstances. So, and they have Van Halen from California. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there was one on Van Halen, yeah. <laughs> and Nick Drake, dreaming England. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to read that one. I'm a big Nick Drake fan, yeah. So well, it's an interesting series, and I believe this is the most recent book in the series. It just came out. It's brand and, new. Uh, highly recommended for all you hardcore Kinks fans. And we're going to make a All song. Right. We're going to do a song list together. Like some kink, yes, yes, yes. Kink classic. Classic is the crazy. Yeah. Yes. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Book Music. Um, definitely join us next time. We're going to be reading um, a book called Five Years Ahead of My Time, Garage Rock from the 1950s to the Present by Seth Bovey. So yes. that should be a lot of fun because we all love garage rock. It's we do. so important. Very. And uh, definitely check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a book club on Facebook. And we've got our playlists all archived on Spotify and Apple Music. So we will see you next time. Ciao. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.